0: From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. You're with Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: Good morning, TNT. It's the 28th of December, 2023, and only four sleeps to the new year. Woohoo! Hope you had a lovely uh, Christmas. How was your festive break? It's no secret. I'm not a big fan of this time of year uh, but I got through the day and I was sober as well on the day so it meant I could get up early on Boxing Day. I took down all my decorations and uh, got rid of Christmas and now I'm all uh, ready in preparation for the new year, getting in the right mindset so it's all good and I'm excited for that. Uh, welcome to Open Line This Morning, I'm Natalie Chiel. Uh Rick's on holiday today tomorrow but no fear because we have the excellent beautiful and talented Gemma Cooper with me for the next hour Uh, she'll be here to keep me company and to keep you entertained Uh, we are live of course uncensored unscripted and unedited as always and uh, you can get on our online chat uh, and like Jock did over the holiday you can send me an email as well it was lovely I got to uh, put a face to his name uh, which was lovely so if anyone in the online chat wants to do that I'd love to see what you all look like and of course you can get on tntradio.live and you can watch us there and see our faces too or on all major streaming platforms many of you are still on holiday at the moment, Uh, it's that time isn't it between Christmas and New Year uh, where people are still stuffing their faces, they don't know what time it is some people are eating chocolate for breakfast, I did see a lovely breakfast on social media the other day which I fancy trying it was like dippy eggs uh, with pigs in blankets yeah that sounded like a lovely Christmas breakfast uh, but I got no pigs in blankets left so I can't try that one uh, I thought though I would also mention some noteworthy stories that I'd seen over the last couple of days this first one did make me laugh it was from a dog health website and apparently a new canine respiratory virus has been spreading across the US uh, now what was most funny about the story was the attached photo. And it was of a little cute dog in a fake ma- in a face mask, and I thought I just can't see it catching on. I don't think that I think COVID is well well done now, and uh, dogs in face masks. I'm not sure they're going to be able to push that one. And uh, you can always rely, of course, on the Daily Fail in the UK for a top headline. Yesterday, it said revealed ten most googled sex questions of 2023. Uh, but I thought I'd leave that one to you to go and read about. We're not going to bother discussing that one here. So if you're interested in that one, you should go read it yourself. And uh, this seemed rather important to me when I read this headline. It said, pints of wine are to be sold in Britain for the first time. And I thought, wow, I read this story. And all I can imagine uh, were women all over the uh, country in pubs with this big pint glass of wine I thought this can't be good it, it sounds like it's encouraging alcoholism especially when I'm trying to be sober but no when I actually read it it's more about I believe Brexit and the measurements and going from uh, metric uh, or, or not going for metric and heading towards pints so they'll be sold in pints in the shop rather than everybody sitting around the bar with these huge pints of wine and everyone uh getting rather drunk uh so we'll see See how that goes and see i can't imagine uh, pi- uh wine being sold in pints but that's something that we've got to look forward to in 2024 but don't go away we've got ten, plenty of stories to cover here with gemma including some toilet humor uh keeping it light-hearted here at tnt radio
0: there's a lot going on so it's important to stay informed and up to date get ready because here we go at the top 30 minutes past and when it breaks Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: Morning, Gemma. How was your Christmas? Have you had a lovely festive break?
2: Yeah, I have had a lovely festive break. I've got a friend staying with me. And lo and behold, yesterday they had a f- chocolate for breakfast. I thought... <laughs> no, but- this is- yeah, they thought this is good. Yeah. This is all right, isn't it? And uh, yeah, it's just just lovely this time of year. I think because it's a very liminal time, isn't it? It's a time for withdrawing. I think from the mayhem of the kind of party world, which I'm not a massive fan of at Christmas. It's a liminal time. It's a time of preparation. The winter we're going underground, yeah. waiting for the light to come back, the sun to start moving again, yeah. and then you emerge in the spring, which actually is the real New Year. January the first is a bit of a misnomer um, if you will really kind of look into it. But I'm going to talk about that next week. I'll wait. I'll wait until New Year's Day and unleash it on
1: you <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one, Gemma. And uh, you've got a, uh, well, it's, it's kind of a breaking story because I've not heard about this one before. This is about schools here in the UK, isn't it?
2: Well, what I thought I would do, because we've been off air for a few days, you know, TNT's yeah. had a Christmas break like the rest of the, the world. Um, but the stories have still continued to kind of trickle in. And I really wanted to kind of end the end the year um, on, on a positive note. And also, you know, we're doing the show together. It's a little bit different. I thought, let's not depress yeah. people too much because that's very easy to do when you look at the headlines from around the world. Yeah. Um, but there's a few from the last few days that have broken that are really Encouraging. And I thought we kick off with this one because here at TNT we're all we always talk about, you know, we're in a kind of parallel society time now where there's this great bifurcation, people either kind of like on our team or the mainstream team. And you know, we're talking about building the new a lot. And that's what TNT is doing with the new media. And we're not the alternative media, with the new media, we're the with the vanguard. Um, and I saw this story and it really did it really fill me with cheer because it's about people who are doing exactly what we're doing but in the field of education. So basically um, it came out on Boxing Day here in the UK, this story, and it's the first UK wide hybrid school, which is going to offer online and class learning, but only one day a week in the classroom. It's going to be an, its an official school. It's, it's up and running, all, you know, it's going to be all official and it's going to open in September 2024. Um, it's going to take kids up to six form age. That's basically 16. It doesn't say if it's 16 to 18, but the def- cutoff point, I think, was likely to be 16. Um, that the, the learning will be done uh, from home and in person. And it's called Duke's Education. Uh, it currently runs 25 schools across the UK and Europe, and that's schools that you go to every day if you're a pupil, it's a private school, um, but it's gonna offer hybrid learning from next year, and it's gonna work with local education authorities so that if you can't afford the fees, you will get scholarships and bursaries and it'll be open to all. Uh, So Duke's Education, the founder says, is aimed at school refusers, uh, pupils with anxiety, uh, and just generally pupils who are not suited to mainstream education. It's also saying it's offering alternative to parents who don't feel there are any suitable schools in their area, and they will offer a mix of practical subjects, sport, and social subjects. That's the ones that kids are likely to go in for one day a week. The rest of it, the other four days, online and independent study. Um, the founder, Ambreen Baig, says it's not temporary. It's a proper school, and she says our research proves and shows that people will travel even if it's for only one, if it's for only one day a week parents and students will travel to wherever the school location is and the rest of the time they will do their learning at home. Uh, It's it's aiming at tackling the record, record levels now since the scandemic of absenteeism in UK schools, which currently stands at, where they looked at one school term, the the autumn term, uh, year on year since the scandemic, and uh, absenteeism on one day was 25%. That's quarter, quarter of all pupils in the UK were off. Uh, on that particular day and that's just a snapshot of where we are and of course what happened Natalie over the pandemic was that you know you take children out of the the basically factory farm environments for the mind you give them a taste of freedom you let them spend time with their siblings and their family and other children of different age groups you're not segregating them off just their year groups you let them have some fun lo and behold they don't want to go back and its parents as well realizing i think the damage that mainstream uh, and matrix education is doing to their kids and there's a huge gap in the market for this type of hybrid learning. And this school has stepped up. There are some case studies cited in this article. Uh, one 15-year-old boy said, I didn't want to go back to school after being at home uh, during the, you know." he says, pandemic. We all know the truth. He said, school felt too big. I felt like I didn't matter. And he said, I've got the best of both worlds now because I can see friends one day a week and the rest of the time I'm free to do what I like. Um, and that founder, I, I, she says, There are so many children now for whom mainstream education just does not work. And she cites a lot of case studies of people that have come in deeply damaged by the mainstream education system, but have blossomed under hybrid learning. And her final quote, we are realizing it's absolutely not okay in this day and age to force kids into a school environment if they struggle with it. I just think, Natalie, the tide is turning and it's turning in our direction I just think it's such a great story and there'll be a lot of kids that are looking forward next year to education with maybe they've been dreading it you know since they've had to go back into the classroom I just think it's great
1: well there are you know there isn't enough special schools in the country at the moment uh there isn't enough uh alternatives for children that struggle in mainstream education i was i was one of those children whether you agree with diagnosis or not um i've got adhd i got thrown out of most of my lessons and i kind of know you probably can't believe this apparently i talked too much my behavior wasn't particularly great Um, But, you know, what I love about this story is if it could, um, you know, They could keep to this. I mean, it's private at the moment. So I am absolutely sure because they're getting proper funding, those children are going to be looked after properly. They go in for one day, uh, it says, where they're doing lots of sports. They are going to uh, get their social skills as well, which is great. Uh, My fear is if it got moved to the mainstream and they wanted to use this model, there's going to be a lot of online learning and it will just be kids sat at laptops. But this actually designed works well. They did a trial in somewhere called Portland Place Hybrid School. It received a glowing report from the Good Schools Guide and GCSE results were better than the day school with 31 percent gaining grades between nine and seven uh which a nine is now a A star star so uh they actually have better results in their trial uh than the normal school so it just shows you that there are a lot of children Gemma that don't learn and I'm one of these you want to sit me down when I'm one of these you know I struggle just for an hour not to move here on TNT radio I'm itching I need to go and have a little dance after an hour it's it's, it's the it's the hardest part of my day but there are a Lot of kids you know this kind of structure of you need to sit down you need to not move you need to listen to a teacher for an hour you know not get outside not you know enjoy other ways of learning um and uh this school is saying actually you know it's, it's more designed for homeschooling a lot of the a lot of the work is getting outside and 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 Being more active, so it can only be a good thing. And I'm hoping, you know, if the mainstream get hold of it, then it won't be all online learning on laptops, Gemma.
2: Well, I mean, that does seem to be an element of that. You know, it's one day a week going into a physical building and interacting with other kids. And then a lot of it is um, remote learning and, you know, uh, independent study. But what's interesting is they do want to work with local education authorities and get bursaries and scholarships to get kids who haven't got money or parents who haven't got money into these establishments. And they're obviously seeing there's this huge gap and i think you know we've seen a bit of a demonization of parents who've taken their kids out of school uh, since the scandemic and we absolutely will not put them back in because there's risking of getting bloody injection if you do and all kind of things and people parents especially realizing how much of uh, it's not education it's indoctrination schooling it's basically preparing you to be an obedient little free-range slave on a tax farm and, and prepare you for the world of work you know sit down shut up you can only go to the toilet when the bell goes when we tell you it's it's basically the boss Boss and employee relationship. That's what it's preparing you for. And so, if you took your kids out over the last three years, people regarded you with a degree of suspicion. Or oh, you're one of those Tim hat wearers, you know, a uh, Hope Sussex here in the UK. They've got their thriving educational community. They've been demonised by the mainstream media. They've called them, you know, far right and all of that ridiculous lies, lies and smear campaign. Now with this story, we're seeing the tide turning. We're seeing. As somebody who's already running these schools, these twenty-five private schools, opening it up yeah. to hybrid, opening it up to uh, families with no money, and and it's being accepted. You know, this headline was in a very, very mainstream paper, and they're not calling them far right. They're calling like they're hailing it as some kind of hello. you know groundbreaking initiative. Well, hello, people on our side have been doing it for the last three years. But that's what I'm saying, Natalie It's an amazing yeah. step in the right direction for this and- building this new building this new society. And I saw it, Gemma,
1: when I read this story as a mix, really. They didn't use this word. I saw it as a mix between homeschooling and mainstream education. So rather than the kind of lockdown online learning where people are expected to log in at nine and then log off at three, uh, this uh, felt more this private school was sending out work, not for you necessarily to sit, uh, sit at home on a laptop, uh, but to kind of get engaged with the parents like it was proper more homeschooling uh, and aimed at those children who are struggling, who might be more anxious, uh, but also working with them. To go in on one day a week as well, uh, you're still getting those social skills uh, rather than uh, just what's always put me off for homeschooling. I've got two autistic children, Uh, you know, social skills for them is a massive part of their learning. So for me, homeschooling wasn't gonna work because I need them to be around other people because they want to hide away and be in their own world anyway. So I need to kind of Push them out a bit uh but this seemed like a great mix uh so if you wanted to try a little bit of homeschooling and get that social side you can get a bit of both Gemma
2: yeah I just think it's great I don't have children you know but even I can see where where this story is heading and I hope that as we end 2023 move into yeah. 2024 we start to see more headlines like this relating to all aspects of society not just new media like what we're doing at TNT not just a new education system like this 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 founder. She's a young woman as well. You can tell she's really got the fire behind her eyes with this, and I I have no doubt it will be a success, but I hope we see it in terms of new healthcare, uh, new policing, new uh, judicial, new everything, everything that was so corrupt about our society and kept the 99% on the bottom. I'm hoping we see a tide turn with all of this now, with all of this, as we we everyone is shifting their perception and realizing, hang on, The world isn't designed for the benefit of humanity. Humanity must come to humanity's own rescue. I think this really is, without kind of evangelizing it too much, I really do think this is a step in the right direction. Yeah, and lots of people
1: agreeing on the online chat as well. Yeah, positive stories as well. Start as me wean to go on. Let's hope we can continue for 2024. Uh, Don't go away. We've got to have a quick break and we've got lots more stories to cover here at TNT Radio.
0: You should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about.
3: I see there's a new trend taking place, sweeping uh, the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks where you go for a walk. without your iPhone without uh, a headset and just alone with your thoughts apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing but subsequently liberating Uh, certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus we are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross
0: Cameron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
2: back in time, and who was Mike Flynn?
4: He was the national security advisor to the president. Why
0: is it that they go after me so hard?
4: Why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming president of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, You have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, cover up what? Russian collusion? There was no Russian
3: collusion to cover up. We see in today's current uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations, that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son. And yes, he's going to protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. This moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism or you're talking about communism, socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism. But the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We have multiple hearings on different agencies that have actually just gone they took fewer men in the takedown of el chapo than they did to arrest me and comey went back
0: to his organization and brought his other thugs together to basically give them the ground rules okay here's how we're gonna here's what we're gonna do and now i need some ideas about how to execute this
2: these last four years we need basically an exorcism in washington dc
4: when
0: you know satan is tempting jesus in the desert i'll i'll give you all the riches of the world i'll give you everything all you have to do is bow to me that's what barack obama has done that's what jim comey has done that's what these bastards have done the fall of deceit at salemnow.com caution You are about to hear today's news talk and the voice of freedom. That's what this country is all about. TNT Radio.
1: Welcome back. You can call in the numbers on the website uh, if you're brave enough to give us a call. And we've got lots of people in the online chat, lots of regulars. We've got Marley Bites. We've got Spyro Gyro. We've got Mazzy, Lisa, and uh, River Says, which is lovely. Uh, So good to see Natalie and Gemma back. Uh, It's lovely to be back as well. Thank you, River. Uh, uh, This story is a funny one where I thought I had to share it. Uh, W.H. Smith. Some person has decided to rebrand and uh, it's in about 10 stores and they're saying it's a trial, but I don't think this trial has gone down very well. They've now said they've got no plans to uh, push it out to all their other stores and I'm not surprised. So we all remember the WH Smith kind of logo in all the shops, don't we? It's very memorable. So some (laughs) very clever person or not, has decided to change it to a big blue sign with the letters whs in the same blue and white as nhs and if you look at it you can't really tell any difference can you Gemma? what do you think do you think it's a good rebranding or do you
2: think somebody may be getting fired <laughs> yeah and maybe not such a happy christmas but that yeah, yeah. that marketing person i mean it's a it, uh, WH Smith is an iconic British brand isn't it you know WH Smith a stationary brand it's hundreds of years old and it's one of the most established companies in the UK it does what it says on the tin so let's let's muck about with it but let's hitch our wagon because it does look like NHS it's the same colors really it's the badly. same three words really badly why hitch your wagon to an ailing brand the NHS is not doing too great at the moment. We've got doctor strikes again, the junior doctor strikes. We've got a waiting list of eight million here in the UK. You know, we've got people dying waiting for operations. It's not the greatest of brands unless you are so wrapped up still in matrix thinking that you are virtue signaling to the extreme and you think, oh, we'll affiliate ourselves with the NHS. We'll make ourselves a little bit of the NHS. Because you know, NHS is great. You know, well, you're three and a half years behind the beat with that one. I don't think anyone would even go out with pots and pans anymore on a Thursday night to clap for. The nhs um so yeah i don't know what poor deluded fool thought they were doing but yeah as you say i don't think this is one that's going to be rolled out but uh you know the corporate branding is such a big part isn't it of any company's business facade that kind of thing um and it's you know tnt our black and red and white um is an important part of how we look and our brand but yeah this hasn't gone down well Uh, what the hell were they thinking? To paraphrase, I think it was Jay Leno and Hugh Grant. You know, what the hell were you thinking? Um, Let's see how quickly it changes back, shall we?
1: Yeah, they've added in it. It was an article that I saw in the Daily Fail and it said um, they added that they currently have no plans to roll out the new design to any future stores. Uh, I have a feeling the feedback wasn't particularly good Um, because you have to remember with WH Smith, they're not a brand that is struggling. Business is booming. Um, It's actually got global expansion in more than 30 countries and 120 airports. Um, It comes after high Street uh, announced that it was opening a further 120 shops in April because their sales have skyrocketed after the easing of COVID restrictions. And they're going to be focusing now on airports and railway shops. That's where they see they're going. So uh, I think uh, the idea was to make it more stand out, more kind of jazzy, more more uh, noticeable, uh, but not very noticeable, uh, Gemma, when people think it's an NHS uh, kind of surgery rather than a stationary stop. Uh, So whoever agreed to that, I'm wondering if two people are getting fired, the person on the marketing department and the person who agreed to push it to the 10 stores. How long do you give it before those 10 stores go back? Uh, And people are wondering, maybe, you know, you get an older person, they've looked up, they've seen NHS and they're walking in there for a COVID vaccine, maybe. Uh, And instead, they've got uh, pens and pencils selling for stationery. Uh, So yeah, I can't see it lasting long, those 10 stores. How long do you give it, Gemma?
2: Well, I was going to say exactly what you said. I said the moment you get 10 people walking in asking for a booster or a flu flu thing, you know, that's it. It's game over, isn't it? Sorry. But, yeah. you know, you could turn it around if we're trying to be positive. Uh, for any company, no publicity is bad publicity. At least everybody's talking about WH Smith or WHS, whatever the hell it is. Um, and people are talking about it. You can argue it that way as well. You know, it's better to be talked about. Uh, than not be talked about at all, to quote Oscar Wilde. But, yeah, still, money's been spent. It's not gone down well. Uh, from WH Smith, who everybody knows and loves, to WHS, can I have a can I have a flu vaccine, please? You know, mm, yeah, not Ooh, so great. Gemma,
1: this is interesting, though. This is why we love the online chat. Uh, Lisa has said uh, there is a WHS at Brisbane train station. So maybe what it is oh. is that they are WHS globally and they were trying to bring that into the UK. But of course, the UK is the only place with the NHS. So maybe they will keep the WHS globally, but they are not going to get away with that here uh, because the NHS and the clapping and the pots and pans, uh, they seem a long way uh, ago in the past now. I don't think people are cheering so much. Uh, now, the waiting lists are as long as they are and obviously a lot of people are affected by the COVID restrictions uh, and they, even people who are on board now. I've got a lot of friends who are not shouting uh, from, from the from the tops of their voices about how great the NHS is. So we've got to take a quick break for the headlines, and then we've got my favourite story of the day. Uh, We had to try and get a bit of toilet humour in. Uh, we had diarrhoea on a plane. We're now going to have uh diarrhoea in a bathtub. So, uh, uh, don't go away, and don't miss it here at TNT Radio. Question. Huh? What are you
0: guys doing today? The news. TNT Radio News. Sounds good. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. The world is bracing for a larger war in the Middle East following a series of major escalations over the Christmas break. A Russian warship loaded with munitions has exploded after being hit by a missile while docked at its home port in Crimea. And North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has ordered the nation's military industry and nuclear weapons sector fast-track war preparations to counter what he calls unprecedented confrontation by the US globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops.
1: Yeah. Welcome back. Following on from our award ceremony and the most memorable story of the year award, which, of course, was Diarrhea on a Plane. I couldn't not bring this up on our lighthearted show today. Uh, This is a story from China and uh, it says the Chinese chess champion is stripped of his title after an explosive incident in a hotel bathtub. Uh, yeah, so there we go. Uh, diarrhea again. We can't get away from that toilet humour. And it's Yang Chenlong overdid celebrations um, as governing body is also investigated whether he cheated using an electronic device he inserted. Within himself. So we've not just got diarrhea here, but we've got some type of computerized AI and cheating to discuss. He allegedly clenched and unclenched rhythmically to communicate information about the chessboard via code to a computer, which then sent back instructions on what moves to make in the form of vibrations, according to the rumors. Uh, They can't prove these rumors, but. But he was still stripped of his title and banned for playing from a year after his celebrations went wayward. Uh, He consumed so much alcohol. um, He had an incident in the bathtub, the explosion I've already talked about. He's damaged hotel property. He's violated a public order and and he has a lack of good morals. So he's been stripped of his title. But the real debate here, Gemma, is what will people do to win? So supposedly in this situation, he was prepared uh, to insert a computer AI into himself. Um, we talked about some people changing gender to win. We talked about people drugs. Uh, would you go that far? Or would you be prepared? Uh, Uh, to have an explosive incident just to just to be named champion
2: well when when we say that he inserted something into his body uh to help him win we are kind of inferring that he did not swallow this piece of equipment aren't we we are yeah Yeah. i think everybody gets the gist of this
1: yeah gory details in the guardian by the way if you want to read the whole story but i'll leave that up to you uh as gemma said
2: So, yeah, so his clenching and unclenching was to get this device to to kind of give him the chest moves a few moves ahead. So it would communicate back to him, presumably, from within his cavity, and then he would make the moves. So you have to ask yourself if the explosion, you know, in the hotel room was to get rid of said device, or was he going to carry said device around with him for the rest of his natural life? (laughs) I hope not. Um, But, yeah, what a thing to do to win a chess championship i mean you have to be pretty pretty desperate and uh, i do know that there is the the kind of phenomenon of tiger parenting in china isn't there where the, you know parents yeah. are really really kind of they kind of almost beat it into their kids that achievement is everything and if it warps your thinking to that point i think some of the parents in china probably need to get, take a leaf out of the hybrid school story we were talking about uh, just a minute ago where you know the children come first and not kind of the parents ambitions yeah. and you know that's a big thing tiger parenting and it is it is quite a can be quite harsh on the kids but yeah i mean you know i i wouldn't put anything Anywhere near that part of my anatomy, <laughs> uh, anything, you know. Um, the, the, no, no, absolutely but, not. It's quite, a, it makes me feel quite squeamish, winning or no winning, no yep. trophies with that, no. I just, I just the
1: poor hotel workers that had to go into the uh, explosion in the bathtub uh that couldn't have been very nice for them but yeah I, it's the cheating thing for me as an autistic person I'm all about fairness and justice I wouldn't want to win Gemma right if I was cheating like these uh the men who are changing their gender literally in order for them to be able to put a gold medal round their neck or in this case if if you need to win that badly, do you really get the same sense of achievement? This is what I've never understood. Or we've got drug cheats, you know, in various sports. You know, there must be for some people this real need for victory. Like you said, does it come from their parents? Does it come from pressure? Why is it that some people have this need to win so badly that they're prepared to cheat, which really in theory means they've not won at all?
2: Well, the need to win and the need to be better than everyone else comes from one place, and that is the ego. And I we've talked about this before. I talk yeah. about it at length on any show that will have me, actually, that we're so programmed into that part of our psyche. We have many different aspects to our psyche, but from a very young age, the ego bit is the bit we're taught to identify with, and it's the bit we're kind of told, really, in a way, is the only bit of us that's got any validity or the only bit of us that is real. Nothing could be further from the truth, and the ego is never satisfied. It always wants, it wants, it wants, and it wants to be better. It wants to feel superior. It wants to feel it's in a place where it can't be threatened. And winning is a way of doing that. But um, many sports people, you know, very complex characters, and they, they win and it's not enough, and then they chase the next gold medal and they're never happy and they're always striving. And many, many sports people are... Lead very unhappy lives away from the from the pitch or the or the field, um, and it, it's not a nice place to be. And many sports people have quite complex eating disorders as well. They have a very complex relationship with their bodies. So uh, winning is not all. What is winning anyway? What is success? What is happiness? You know, we're trying to end the year on a kind of light-hearted, positive note. What is Happiness. What is success? Is it being true to yourself? Is it living an authentic life? Which may have nothing to do with competition and setting yourself apart. It might have to do with collaboration and empathy, which is actually what we're more hardwired to be. That's our natural yeah. state. That's what little children are like. They collaborate, they work together. It's only when they get into school and they're told to be separate that they, they, they believe the programming. So yeah, winning. What is winning? Waking up yeah. and feeling good about your life. That's winning. That's winning.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. Me and Rick have spoken about this and this was supposed to be light hearted, but this is gonna be more serious coming from me. But I'm gonna say this is about the problem in modern society for me that comes from so much dysfunction in childhoods now where there's this need and desperate need uh, which has been made worse by social media and the internet for validation and approval. So desperate to be be known, to be a celebrity, to to be validated in any way that you're prepared to cheat, that it's not even really about winning. It's just about notoriety. It's being noticed. I need to be important, you know, when really we should be kind of encouraging, you know, what's important in this life. It's about being happy. It's about being living in the present. It's not about constantly pushing towards the bigger, better deal to be better than other people. Um, And uh, yeah, I'll put it over to Gemma because I can see she's itching to say something.
2: Well, it's funny because I know you're a big fan of Matthew Perry, who played Chandler Bing in Friends, and obviously passed away very recently this year. And I I saw his autobiography um, on the shelf, and it was half price, and I thought I'm going to get that. And I've only finished reading it uh, yesterday. I I read read it over the Christmas break. Oh my God! If any, if anyone's story can prove that all the money in the world, literally all the fame yes. in the world winning winning all the awards in the world at one point he was on the most famous show in the world and at one point he was the most famous character in it season 9 as he said in the yep. book um and he still and wasn't happy and the biggest film before. in the world and he still and he still, still wasn't, happy. wasn't happy you know it comes its yeah. happiness is an inside job that's what yep. we need to remember it's an inside job nothing external will make you feel any better or worse <laughs> than you already do and yes, happiness is
1: not an inside
2: job, especially when you put it inside of you
1: to win a chess tournament. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we managed to get around to that, but well done, Gemma. Uh, we've got to take a, a quick break, but we've got three more stories to cover and they are all positive uh, and uh, they cover nature, foraging. Don't go away here at TNT Radio.
0: Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective.
3: Two new internationally peer-reviewed studies published in major scientific Journals have documented misleading northern hemisphere temperature data and attribution analysis indicating inadequate considerations of the urban heat island, its influence on climate records, and dominant influences of the sun, and producing warming and cooling phases. Published in August in the journal Climate. The first of these studies concludes that the global warming influences on people could be mostly an urban problem associated with a well-known urban heat island phenomenon by where structures, including paved surfaces and concrete buildings, absorb heat during the day and release it at night, but of course much more slowly. Although urban areas account for less than 4% of the global land surface, they contain many of the weather stations where temperatures are collected which substantially skew the bigger picture. Whereas the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change estimates that UHI accounts for less than 10% of the global warming, the new study suggests that urban warming might account for up to 40% of the recorded change since 1850. Now, you combine that with some of the other things that the IPCC conveniently seems to ignore, like underwater heating that's going on, And what do you get? You get a good reason to be very, very skeptical on what you're being told about the climate. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got.
4: While serving in Vietnam, a grenade took my ability to see. Today, I'm a sculptor creating new visions. Now, my fingers are my eyes. As a veteran, I know the challenges of life can be great. In my art, turning a lump of clay into something beautiful, that means a lot to me. Life is like that. We each must use what we can to make things better.
0: DAV helps veterans like Michael get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways.
4: Now, I show others how they can create something with their own hands. With support from DAV, more veterans can shape their lives into a thing of beauty. My victory is bringing beauty into the world.
0: Michael Naranjo, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're with Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio TNT
1: welcome back our oh, lovely uh mention in the chat uh to Marley bites he said uh well I couldn't be more chilled this morning as I'm listening to Natalie and Gemma while supper, sipping on a strong coffee while giving the pooch tummy rubs ah oh, that's lovely lovely um uh, uh message there for us and Gemma you've got a lovely story too
2: for us about an off-grid Village. Oh, I mean, this is just a a great story. I mean, again, it just shows that, you know, you can stand up to the system, you can do it very well, and it can be successful. And the fact, again, that this type of story has been picked up by a mainstream outlet. Again, this story is one that came out on Boxing Day here in the UK. It was picked up by by a mainstream outlet, and there was no sneering tone. These people were not made out to be nutters. Uh, I think just, again, it's an indication of how the tide is shifting, and it's shifting fast. Um, so this is all about an off-grid community, which actually doesn't isn't that far from me. I live in North Somerset, and this off-grid community is in the deepest South Somerset, near near a place called Yeovil here in the UK. And it's called Tinker's Bubble, and next month, which is only a few days away now, next month, January 2024, this off-grid community, and it really is off-grid. It really is. It's brilliant. It will celebrate its 30th anniversary of operating away from. The matrix. So this this place is operated on a kind of rolling planning permission for 24 years. This year in March, it got full a- approved official planning permission, means it's now ensconced es- in that part of the world for years to come. It's in a place near Norton Sapandam. It's 40 acres, half of which are woodland, and it, it operates completely off-grid. Uh, it produces nearly all its own food it grows cider apples it makes cider it makes apple juice vinegar timber which it sells to sustain itself it grows all its own organic veg it's got polytunnels it chops the trees down the Douglas fir trees which is very hardy woodland from the the forest 20 to 40 trees a year doesn't make a dent on the the, um, woodland makes all the houses from scratch from wood and has this massive communal central roundhouse area which is where all the eating takes place and everything is cooked over an open fire. There are several houses dotted around the main central area. They've all got wood burners, and it has a it has a room for sixteen permanent residents and seventy volunteers who come and go and learn the skills that they will need to either live on that community or go and um, make an off grid community of their own. Um, there are some pictures that ac- accompany this story. And I'm telling you, Natalie, it made my heart sing. It's like going back to the medieval times, you know, or something like um, Game of Thrones when you're living in the forest. And it's just absolutely idyllic. And one of the uh, residents there, he's a guy called Bobby, he said this originally started as a group of kind of rogue protesters years ago who didn't want to live in mainstream society. Um, But over the years, thousands of people have come. They've stayed in Tinker's Bubble. It's called Tinker's Bubble because that's a place where gypsies and tinkers would. I know it's great, isn't it? Where tinkers and gypsies would uh, traditionally meet. And he says this is 30 years of people coming together and making things happen happen and it couldn't be happening on a, on a on a greater scale he says it's hard work especially in the winter um but it proves what can be done when you don't have a proper job because when you don't have a proper job whatever that is you know what is a proper job or a career it's just it's something you spend a lot of time doing at the detriment to other areas of your life but he says when you don't have a proper job there's more time to be self-sufficient and do this properly it's got a solar panel a solar power um but it, that's kind of a bit hit and miss Um, But basically, everything basically works on wood. Everybody works together. They've got one cow called Daisy, which produces all the milk uh, and the the vegetable patches are absolutely thriving. Um, They now work in um, collaboration with local authorities, with um, uh, volunteer groups, with land management groups, and they have a, 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 it's called a community benefit society, uh, and the land is owned by the Tinkers Bubble Land Limited. So it's working brilliantly. It's going from strength to strength. It, it celebrates its 30th anniversary just in a few days' time. It's been given official planning permission. It's an off-grid community that isn't being bulldozed by the local authorities saying, get off our land. It's working. And I think it could provide a blueprint for the many, 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 many people, not just in the UK, but around the world now, that are desperately trying to get off-grid and live like this. It proves it can be done. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, oh, the only bad thing, Riverside, is I'd miss TNT though, so I don't know if it's got actually any electricity or anything there, Gemma. But it is such a lovely story, and I noticed they said what they did in COVID, they actually built a hand-built wooden sauna. So they've even got a little bit of luxury in their off-grid as well. And what I loved about this story was it says there's fifteen people uh, that can actually stay there. Sometimes there's less, sometimes there's more, because as you said, you can't really stay there if you are stuck or trapped in this rat race. For those people that need to pay their mortgages, that need to have you know, a job and an income coming in, it's very hard. But imagine if this was set up around the country, these little off-grid communities where people who were struggling as well, Gemma, could go and learn these survival skills and go there for a few months while they're getting themselves back on their feet. Oh, it would be absolutely wonderful. I mean, I, I'd be quite happy to uh, give up a few months almost like a holiday because, it you know, it would be a break from the rat race. But you'd also be learning, wouldn't you? Um, it just sounds like such a lovely idea.
2: Yeah, and that's exactly what it's uh, geared up to do now. You know, it has space for 70 volunteers to go and learn these skills. And um, it does have some limited electricity, so we would be able to get TNT. If there was enough solar power to power the little generator, we might be able to get TNT a few hours a day. We are saved. We are saved, Natalie. But, um, (laughs) yeah, what is interesting is that it's it's working now in collaboration with very official bodies. So this little thing that started off as a group of very anti-establishment people, it's grown to the point now where it's recognised that it does work work for a start it obviously does work and, and and universities go there local schools go there local authorities go there and it could well be a blueprint i think for if we see the tide turning as much as we are you know that these new the new ways of thinking new ways of being looking at things that were 30 years ago were considered cranks and crazies and weirdos that lived in the woods and now gaining official planning permission and saying good on you you're doing a good job if the tide turns in this way we could have them set up in other rural areas in the north of the uk you know that, other areas, because the UK has been a very hard place traditionally to get off grid. It's not an easy thing to do. So I'm hopeful that this will spur people on. And Again, what I thought was great was the actual coverage of this story by the mainstream. There was not one sneer. There was not one raised eyebrow. There was nobody suggesting it was a cult or conspiracy theorists that can't get on in real life. There was none of that. A couple of years ago, I think it would have been very different. So again, this energetic shift towards something different Everybody seems to be open to it. It's just amazing. It's amazing.
1: Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people in society at the moment are demoralised and they're not yeah. that, that thinking these ideas are completely ridiculous anymore. You know, a lot of my other friends are like, that sounds absolutely wonderful. Throw my phone away, get away from obligations. Absolutely perfect. And like you said, the best thing about it when I read this story was I was imagining right at the end there was going to be some negative and, you know, the council were trying to get rid of it. No, they've got planning permission to ca- carry on. So yeah, moving to the next story, part of the problem we're having in other areas are the government or the councils coming in and uh, trying to change plans? Uh so this one is uh from the is it I don't even know how to Chatelaine of High Clear Castle, uh, which doubles as downtown Abbey. Uh she's basically said, Well, this kind of rewildling plans that the government are pushing on with. They said she's saying, Well, people can't eat trees. It's all very well having this massive plan for climate change and net zero, and you can keep building as many trees as you want. But it doesn't mean that, that that's going to be sustainable for humans in the future. Uh, they're trying to get rid of farming. They're trying to get rid of animals, she said. But we need farming and not just trees. Uh, so, you know, going from uh, the little idyllic uh, Off grid community, we've now got someone who's rather posh actually kind of saying the same thing. You know, she's saying we don't want to keep to keep importing all our food. How can that be good for climate change? What? Getting food from, you know, globally all across the world, rather than actually farm it ourselves, but you want to keep planting trees. So she's questioning this whole agenda. And this is in the Telegraph. And uh, people aren't calling her stupid either, are they, Gemma?
2: No and uh, this was a story I saw yesterday and uh, you know yeah she is the, the the countess of the of Downton Abbey Lady Carnarvon you know High Clear Castle which was made world famous as the setting yeah. for you know the TV series Downton Abbey uh, so you've got the people who went to Tinker's Bubble who were at one end of the social spectrum 30 years ago you know rogue protesters and you've now got a member of the so-called elite. Lady, you know, Lady Carnarvon of High Clear Castle talking about rewilding, which I'm sure many, many people in the chat will know. This isn't just rewilding, it's not just about planting a few more trees. It's Agenda 2030, sustainable goal number eleven, relating to human settlement areas, where you know you'll be in one part of the country, wherever you are, if this includes America as well, rewilding is an issue globally, and you won't be able to go into wild areas because it'd be full of wild animals, you know, wolves and bears and all these animals they want to bring back to rewild ostensibly inverted commas not rewild it's keep people out of the countryside Uh, but she's talking about it in relation to farming she's obviously on the same page as the people from Tinker's Bubble because she's saying rewilding is not a good idea planting a few more trees and getting rid of farm animals and making us reliant on foreign imports is probably the worst thing you could do they farm at High Clear Castle when it's not being used as filming for Downton Abbey her and her husband And she says it's not fair to blame my sheep and my pigs and my chickens and my cows for what is going on farm animals are blameless. It's it's global co- government policies. She's really come out all guns blazing in a very, very, very mainstream and upper-class newspaper here in the UK um, and people are agreeing with her. It's front page news. It's front page news yesterday with a big photo of her on the cover with yeah. her dog um, and people are agreeing. So again, it's this sea change. Which is touching every area of society. It's even getting into the elites and the Aristos, you know. Let's question what the government is doing. Is this a good policy? And not only is she questioning it, she's not being called a Tim Four hat nutter, you know? She's she's being listened to. It's just, it's just great. I really think it's a sign as we end this year and we're going into the new year. I think next year, Natalie, we're going to see so much change, change for the better after so many years of forced change for the worse. And I think this story illustrates that.
1: Yeah, Holly says in the online chat, probably because the dirty government can't tell them what to do, she said, get off my land. And uh, <laughs> uh, it was uh, at, the, uh, at the end of the uh, story, it does say Princess of people. She had an interview with The Telegraph, and she was uh, saying uh, – Uh, expressing caution over rewilding as well and saying you could rewild the wrong things. She wasn't on board with it either. And that's someone from the royal family. So, you know, if we've got all these, uh, well, I sometimes call them parasites rather than elites. But, uh, you know, if we're getting them, on our side as well, that can only be a good thing. Uh, And we've got one last story which links uh, quite nicely to what we've uh, already been talking about. This is about foraging. And uh, I think there's a lot more people now who want to be self-sufficient, as we've already said. Foraging is the practising of gathering wild food, including flowers, fruit and fungi, for free and has become increasingly popular in recent years, particularly since COVID, because people uh, were not were told to uh, sit at home and not do anything, so they went and you know went out into the forest and found things to do it's often viewed as a way to connect with nature and eat locally and seasonally so what are they doing in nottingham uh, they're saying there's excessive foraging now so they are banning it in nottingham park now whether you believe it's true or not they're saying that they're having to ban it because people are taking too many chestnuts they're saying that some people are getting <laughs> are taking chestnuts in trolley trolleyfuls apparently now Whether that's true or not, some people are saying that people are doing it commercially and trying to sell them to restaurants. Or is this a way of them stopping us or uh, discouraging us from being self-sufficient? There's a lady, uh, Miss Buckle, she uh, uh, is a teacher for uh, foraging, Um, and she's basically said, uh, if we start to ban foraging on public land where we legally have the right to do so, my concern is where will they stop? Will we become a nation where nobody's allowed to forage at all? So the positive from this story is that loads more people are out there. They want to be self-sufficient. The the negative for me is they're already worried about the idea that people are doing and they're starting to ban it. So we can't allow that to happen, can we,
2: Gemma? Well, what I thought was uh, the, the most positive thing in that article um, was that the Miss Buckle, who's a, who now leads foraging classes and teaches people how to differentiate between what's poisonous and what you can eat and what tastes disgusting and what tastes nice, she quit her career as a pharmacist or working in a pharmacy to yeah. do it. So she's had her perception shift. She's gone away from the mainstream devils, you know, big pharma. And she's now a forager getting medicine from nature. I thought that was the most amazing thing about that article. I thought it was absolutely brilliant yeah. and um, I absolutely agree with you it, it does illustrate people want to go back to living how our ancestors lived which is living in harmony with the land uh, working with nature not against it um, and also when you eat off the land like that it does it is medicine it gives you everything the body needs there are so many micronutrients in soil um, it, 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 there's there's so much to this story that is great but of course yeah, local authorities think we must ban this you know people go taking control of their own lives and their own health we must ban this but um, I don't think it can be stopped. I think where I live in the West Country, there are lots and lots of foraging groups, yeah. lots. Um, and during the kind of early days of the pandemic, I went on a coastal foraging walk, which is absolutely oh. brilliant. I can only remember a handful of the plants that we were shown, but it was amazing. And people that do know about foraging are to be applauded. I think they deserve a medal because there's so much out there that's toxic yeah. and they really could yeah. differentiate. Them. It's, it's, it was great. That was my uh, next
1: point to make. As much as we're encouraging it, please know what you're doing. Uh, We're not telling you to go out there and pick any mushroom that you see, because please know what you're doing. There are lots of mushrooms out there that are deadly. I uh, just uh, remember hearing a story about a woman that deliberately foraged, knew what she was doing and tried to kill her whole family uh, for for their money uh, by using mushrooms from foraging so I certainly don't want anybody being poisoned yes we want you to forage, forage. yes we want you to be educated uh, but we don't want anybody dying and uh, we want you to do your research properly we always recommend uh, education and research don't we Gemma
2: oh absolutely knowledge is power knowledge is power yeah yeah we do uh,
1: and that's us that's us done today. It's been absolutely lovely. I hope you've enjoyed uh, the change. We're going to be back again tomorrow for more of the same. Uh, Rick will be back on Monday for New Year's Day. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's been wonderful. It's good to be back. I've been Natalie Chill. This has been TNT Radio and Open Line, and we will see you tomorrow at 9 a.m. Bye-bye.
2: <laughs>